listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Uh, Take a minute to share. We're going to jump in. Today we're discussing what to do when you don't know what to do. What to do when you don't know what to do. This is actually (laughs) relatively common. And people, they get, um, and I'm going to explain the breakdown on how the enemy uses this against you. People get into a place where they're overwhelmed. Uh, A lot of people dealt with that over the last 18 months. They're overwhelmed. They don't know what to do, what decision to make, which way to turn. And the enemy uses this against people uh, to put them into a a greater place of uh, chaos. And we're going to be, we're going to be dealing with that. So if you haven't shared it, share it. I'm going to take you through the word of God and I'm going to step-by-step show you what a Christian should do when you feel like you don't know what to do. Hey, Brenda, welcome from Nashville, Georgia. What should a Christian do when they feel like they don't know what to do? And that's what we're, that's what we're dealing with. Very important because, uh, just out of curiosity, anybody in the comments section, if you're not ashamed to say it, have you ever gotten to a place where the, maybe the enemies attacked or things have happened in life and you got to the place in your flesh where you're like, I, I don't, I feel like I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go from here. Throw a hand up. If you've ever felt like that in life, either the enemy attacked or there was just things going on, it was overwhelming and you felt like, man, I don't, I don't know what to do at this point. Hey, Tony, I don't know what to do. Well, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're dealing with. I'm going to show you and the hands are, (laughs) Wilson said, it's called a Monday. (laughs) It's called a Monday. Um, but I'm glad you're jumping on. I've seen multiple people saying I'm going through this right, right now. Exactly. Amy. And we're going to go through these. We're going to go through these things. I want to show you from the word of God. What should we do when we feel like we don't know what to do? So let's jump in. Uh, and I'll have, I'll give you these. And as we normally do pop them in the comments for those that watch later, it'll help them, uh, as they go through the broadcast. Those of you that are listening on the podcast, welcome. If you guys didn't know, we have a podcast on all platforms that uh, is updated five days a week. All these broadcasts, you can listen on the podcast as well. And uh, I think we've, we've gotten to half a million, maybe more now, half a million downloads of our podcast. It's pretty awesome. It's available everywhere. You can check it out. So what do we do? You're in that position where you feel like I'm overwhelmed. The enemy's attacking. Things are happening. I don't know where to go from here. I don't know what to do in this, in this moment at this point. And the overwhelming feeling starts to build up and multiply on you. And you're like, man, you know, people just want, they want to throw in the towel and they're just like overwhelmed. What do you do? All right. Let me give you some things that the word of God teaches that we can do. Number one, I want you to put this in. This is it, uh, entirely for number one, stop. I want you to put that in. Stop exclamation point. Stop. Um, what do I mean by that? Hey, Carissa, I was, I was talking to somebody one time when I was in Maine and, uh, we were talking about hiking. We were talking about hiking through, um, uh, 
you know, areas around Mount Katahdin, different places, a lot of hiking going on, a lot of that camping. But the thing about Maine is that the woods in Maine are very dense. They're very dense, uh, more so than other states that I've been to. So like, for example, the woods in West Virginia, where I, where I grew up, are not as dense as the woods in Maine. The, the trees and the woods are more tightly packed. And uh, when I was talking to this person, they said, uh, one of the things that happens is because the, the woods are so dense, you can, your visibility is limited. And so sometimes people come travel from other states to Maine to go hiking or camping, and they'll be out in the woods and very quickly they can lose their way because they can't see very far. He said they might even not be very far from the trail. They might be like 20 yards, 30 yards from the trail, but they can't see it because the woods are so packed tightly. And uh, people start to panic when they, when, they, when they feel like they're lost. They feel like they're lost and they don't know where they are. People begin to panic. And uh, one of the things that this person told me was that as people begin to panic, one of the things they do is they immediately start running. They'll take off running because that panic is I got to get back to, I got to get back to somewhere that I recognize. So they'll start to run. And, um, I, uh, he was telling me that park rangers in, in the state of Maine will actually find people sometimes that are in the woods that have gotten lost and their clothes are torn, you know, from, from running through branches and stuff. And they're just kind of in that state of anxiety. The bad news is if you get lost and you're overnight, the mosquitoes, my grandfather who pastored in Maine used to say, there's not a single mosquito in Maine. They're all married and have children. There's so many mosquitoes in Maine. And then people, their clothes rip. They start getting mis- bitten by mosquitoes. It's a bad combination. So one of the things you'll learn if you've ever studied survival techniques is that they'll tell you if you ever get lost, if you ever feel like you're lost, the first thing you need to do is stop where you are. Just stop and sit down. That's what they'll tell you. If you're out in the woods, the wilderness, whatever, backpacking, and you feel like you're lost, instead of panicking, instead of running, instead of all the, sit down and stop. And that's why I'm telling you, number one, the first step here is stop. Why do I, why do I say stop? The reason is this, because the enemy wants to push, push something on you. <laughs> Lizzie Hannah said, I once got lost near Mount Katahdin, ran into a moose. Just stop. Uh, and, and she said, that definitely made me stop. You better believe it. Uh, because here's the thing. The enemy wants to push you into a position where you're overwhelmed, you're anxious, you're depressed, whatever it might be. You're in, in a spirit of fear. And then what happens? Then you, he wants to push you to start making decisions. Watch now. Making decisions while you're in that state. Big, big mistake. The enemy wants you to make decisions while you're in that state of being overwhelmed, in fear, in depression, hopelessness, right? And so let me give you the number one instruction. Don't make decisions in a state of fear, depression, or hopelessness. Never make a decision in a state of fear, hopelessness, depression, not never, never. 
Don't do it. Stop. If you feel like you don't know what to do, you're overwhelmed, just stop. One of the things they tell you to do is to take stock of what you have on hand. You know, if you're in a wilderness situation, what, what resources do you have? What's in your backpack? What things do you have? They always, often they'll tell you to do an, an item check. They'll itemize what you've got with you. First of all, it calms your brain down, starts getting you thinking analytically again, but just take stock. One of the things you might want to do is just thank God for all the good things that he's done for your, for your life and for your family. And so stop, don't make decisions. Maybe you've heard me tell the story of when nine, nine happened. And, um, I was getting my phone blown up by all those text messages that were coming in and, you know, the, the, the nation's under attack and, you know, gas isn't going to be available and we're in an emergency situation and you need to get gas. And, you know, this was, I told you, this is when uh, gas was like 98 cents a gallon in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I ran, I mean, I sped down to the local gas station by my apartment and I looked and they'd already hiked up the prices to $4 a gallon, $4 in the year 2001. And, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't care. I just was, I couldn't wait. I I was in a panic. I was, I got to get that gas. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. I might have to get out of here. I won't have gas to drive and all this stuff. And then I went and bought it and paid quadruple the price, quadruple the price for gas. And then the next day I was getting ready to go to school, went and passed that same gas station. And it was back down to 98 cents a gallon again. I was so angry. I was so mad that I had made a decision based on fear that I vowed to God in that moment. I vowed to God, I will never make another decision based upon fear again in my life. I'll never do it. I got so mad about that, that I made that vow. I will never make another decision based on fear. Cause there you go. There you go. That's what the devil wants you to do. He wants to overwhelm you. He wants to put you in a place where you're depressed, hopeless, anxious, state of fear, and then get you to start making decisions with that as the backing. I'm making this decision because I'm afraid. I'm making this one because I'm depressed. I'm making this one because I feel hopeless. And there is where destruction truly comes. It's not in the feeling. It's in the action connected to the feeling. Do you see that? It's not in the feeling. It's in the action connected to the feeling. That's exactly right, Lynn Uh, He learns to take a knee, stop, gather your wits, status check and reset. That's exactly right. That's exactly what it is. That's what I'm saying, is that you don't panic and then start making all these decisions based on panic. You stop. That needs to be the first thing people do. Do not allow the negative things that are taking place, the lies of the devil, to get you to start to make a move based on fear, panic, hopelessness, depression. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God, the Bible says. So any actions that we take that are based on fear, panic, hopelessness, doubt, whatever, those actions are displeasing to God. And that they will never bring you a harvest of blessing. They'll never bring you a harvest of healing. They'll never bring you a harvest of breakthrough. That will never happen. Because when you start making decisions based in fear, panic, hopelessness, depression, it will only yield after its own kind. 
right? And so let me give you a practical example. There might be somebody say, well, I, I'm just, I, I was listening to Jensen Franklin last night. I don't have to get that, get that clip out again. I pulled up an old clip from like seven, eight years ago where he's talking about your Boaz. And he's at John Heggie's church. He's like, if, if, if you don't wait for your Boaz, you know, you're gonna, you settle for anybody. You'll, you'll settle for Poaz and broke as and beaten your ass. <laughs> and, and it's true. People get, you know, they get anxious about it and then they just start settling for whatever. They start settling for whatever because of the hopelessness or the fear or the depression or whatever it might be. Never make a decision in those situations. Never make a decision based on those feelings, that spirit that the devil tries to send at you. That's right, Aaron. Everything yields after itself. All seed yields after its own kind, which means that whatsoever you sow, that will you also reap. So don't get, don't get anxious. Don't get depressed. And so this is what you need to do. Stop. Just stop right where you are. Don't let, don't let yourself run wild. Stop. Take stock. Number two, the second thing that you have to have to do is, in my opinion, according to what Paul taught the church, the next thing, when I talked about itemizing, take out your backpack. What do you have? That's what they tell you in survival situation. What's on your person? What's in your pockets? This is what you need to do in the spiritual realm. Begin to thank God. Begin to praise God for all of his goodness, all of his mercy that you have experienced up to this point. All of his goodness, all of his mercy. Now, I'm going to give you a secret here as they say in tutorials, pro tip. Are you ready for this? Also thank and praise him for characteristics that he has that you have personally not experienced yet. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, you say, well, I would praise him for being a healer, but I've never had him heal me. I've not got my healing yet. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Praise him and thank him that he is a healer even if he's not healed you yet, or you've not received your healing yet, praise him for that anyway. Praise him that he's your provider. Thank him that he's your provider. Even if your provision has not manifested yet, thank and praise him anyway for his nature, his goodness, his characteristics, his personality traits. Begin to thank him. The, the tip here is even for things you've not yet seen. Because remember this, just because you haven't seen them yet doesn't mean that that's not who he is and that's not what he'll do. So we don't, we don't base our view of God on our own personal life experiences. We base our view of God on what his word says about him. That's how we, ba that's how we base our view of God. It's on what his word says about him. And so when you take step number two is that we start to thank and praise him for who he is, what his word says he is, who his word says he is. Listen to Philippians chapter four. This will open your eyes. Very important passage. Paul is commanding the church in, in Philippi. Philippians chapter four. I'm starting with verse four. Ready for this? Rejoice in the Lord always. Not when you're happy. Not when you get your breakthrough, not when you get your miracle, none of those things. Rejoice in the Lord always, every day, no matter what the enemy's trying. Hey, Miss Cynthia, 
no matter what the enemy's trying, no matter what he's attempting in your life or with your family, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness or reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now look at verse six. Do not be anxious about anything. (laughs) Catch that. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now look what happens when you do those things and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So watch now. The fact that Paul commands, don't be anxious about anything, tells us that we have a choice. That no matter what's happening, I can choose whether or not to be anxious about it. I could be peaceful about it. I could look at what's going on in the culture, in the government, in the economy, in the world. I can choose to be anxious about that, or I can obey what Paul told, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write to the church. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not. All right. What's up, Andrew? So I can now, I can now make a choice. That means I've got control over anxiety by the Holy Ghost. I've got control. Oh man, come on. I want somebody to put that in the comment section. That freaks people out. I have control over anxiety and depression by the Holy Ghost. Get it in the comments section. I have control over anxiety and depression by the Holy Ghost. I know that makes people mad when I preach like that, when I talk like that, because everybody wants to focus on how much it's a chemical imbalance in the brain and how much it's a, it's an issue that has to be dealt with with therapists and has to be dealt with, with, you know, psychologists and But according to scripture, according to scripture, I've got control over anxiety and depression by the Holy Ghost, by the Holy Ghost. You know, it cracks me up that there's Christians, uh, how much they say they believe God can do anything and he's supernatural. And he, you could say all the things that S.M. Lockridge said at the beginning of this broadcast, he's indescribable, he's unstoppable. I mean, you can go through all those things. And then they'll believe he can raise the dead and he raised Jesus from the dead and he raised Lazarus from the dead, but he can't really uh, take away my depression. He can't really take away my anxiety. Are you serious? Well, you don't understand. That's a natural thing that, that psychologists need to deal with. You think that, do you honestly think that anxiety, hopelessness, depression is so hard that God can raise the dead. He can open blind eyes. (laughs) He can make the lame to walk, but he can't take depression out. Can't take anxiety out. I don't understand Christians that have gotten so naturally minded that they've pushed off. They've pushed off the supernatural aspect of Christianity. And then they act, they treat us like we're some heartless, mindless bums because we suggest that God will do the impossible. I had somebody from, uh, from that I know in the, in the comments section of my Instagram, giving me a hard time because I posted that people 
are dealing with demon spirits and trying to diagnose spiritual problems. And then people have such an issue with that. They freak out. Are you saying this is why people don't go get health care? Because Christians are telling them it's a demon. Sometimes it is a demon. And this is a person that claims to be a Christian. You don't understand Christianity then. If that's, if that's who you are and that's what you believe, you don't understand Christianity and you don't understand what the Bible teaches and you don't understand how the spiritual world works. Not everything that is happening is natural. Now, some things are natural. Some things are spiritual. And people need to understand that there are spiritual answers for, for spiritual problems, not natural answers. You can give people, let me tell you something. You can sit a person in a room with an unsaved therapist all day long. They can talk about their past and talk about their mom and dad and talk about their upbringing and talk about their work life and all they want to talk about. Talk through their issues, talk through their issues, and then he can pull out and prescribe some kind of a medication for your mind and prescribe some kind of medication for your nerves. Guess what? The problem, if spiritual, is still there. You've talked and talked and talked, but you can't talk a a spiritual problem out of your life. And all you can do is medicate yourself. You may dull your senses for a while, but the problem is still there. Still there. So you go ahead and keep your natural solutions and I'll keep my supernatural solutions and we'll see who's doing well in the end. Thank and praise God for who he is. Listen to it now. But with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which surpasses all understanding, which surpasses all understanding, which surpasses all. What does that mean? It means that you will. It doesn't, it's not a big deal to have peace when everyone else has peace. That's normal. That's not a big deal. The big deal is to have peace when everybody looking at you thinks, how come they're not in turmoil? She should be freaking out right now. He should be, what is going on? Why are they so calm? You know, I got peace and that you can't understand because it passes understanding. It goes beyond natural understanding. You're not going to understand it because it's a peace that comes from the Holy Spirit. It didn't get generated by events. My peace is not generated by natural events. Your peace is not generated by natural events. Right. That's exactly right, Amy. Nobody, and that's the thing. Some things are actually real. PTSD is real. People that deal with it all over this nation. But God is greater. We believe God can heal cancer, but he can't heal PTSD. Of course he can. Of course he can. And so we begin to look at that and we say, well, you know, it's not about peace. (laughs) Here's the thing. People think, well, I'm believing for God to take me into a more peaceful situation. Why don't you just believe for peace in the situation you're already in? It's a peace that passes understanding. People watching you won't understand why you got that kind of peace. They won't understand why you've got that kind of calm. And that'll be a sign that it's a supernatural thing, not a natural thing. It's supernatural. It's not natural. So notice. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Peace guards you. Catch this now. If you're in anxiety, if you're in depression, if you're in hopelessness, you're in a place that's unguarded. 
It's unguarded. It's a dangerous place to live your life. Let me say that again for anybody that doesn't uh, quite know where I'm headed with this. All of these areas, fear, depression, hopelessness, that is a dangerous, dangerous place to live your life because of what it produces. But the peace of God, it guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost on this today. It guards your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so what are we going to do? Look at verse eight. Finally, brothers. Now here's, here's how you take control. Whatever is true. Hmm. Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Mm-hmm. So why do you think I don't think about certain things? Well, people say, well, he must be, he thinks he's really something, doesn't watch the news. I don't watch the news because <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. If I see any headline, it's because I was scrolling Twitter looking for something else and I saw headlines that I passed on Twitter. That's the only way. I don't watch, the news is never ever on in my home, ever. I mean, in all honesty, it's never on. I don't know. I wouldn't know anything that's going on unless I saw somebody post about it. I wouldn't know a thing. I, I would not know a thing. See, would you, you really would live like that? I am living like that and have lived like that for decades. I've been alive for four decades and I've never watched the news. It's also kind of hard to watch the news when you're like two years old, but like, you know, in the decades where I would have watched the news, I don't watch it because I don't care. I don't care. Most of it's contrived anyway. Yeah. If you're going to watch that, watch, that's right, Andrew, watch my cousin uncheck the news. If that, if you're going to watch it, watch it there. But I'm just telling you, I don't care. I honestly don't care. Is it going to change me? No, because my life is on another system. I'm on another system. Did you hear what's happening with the economy? No, <laughs> no. Did you hear it's gonna, it might crash this year? No, didn't hear it. Don't care. <laughs> Don't care. I'm on a different system. I'm on a different system. I'm on God's system. Did you hear what's happening with, nope, didn't hear it. Don't care. I'm on a different system. So notice this, choose what you dwell on. Choose what you dwell on. And let the peace of God guard your heart and your mind. That's number two. Number three, this is a big one. Rest yourself. Number three, rest yourself. Put it in the comments. Rest yourself. People are wondering what I'm drinking. Someone asked. It's Zevia, Dr. Zevia. No sugar, no caffeine, GMO project verified. Number three, rest yourself. You know, the Lord dealt with me about this. If you've not heard me talk about it, the Lord dealt with me heavily about this two years ago, heavily, heavily. I was in Brazil getting ready to preach. I was so tired because I'd been going nonstop nonstop. 
And I had, you know, one revival to the next revival to the next revival to the next revival. And I don't just kind of like, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a teacher in, in, in one way. You know what I mean? If you've ever been in any of our meetings, I preach and I preach hard. And, uh, it, you know, it'll wear your flesh out. <laughs> it will wear your flesh out. And I was, I had gone from one to another. I'd been going for like nonstop, no breaks, no vacations, not even off days. It'd be like you preach Sunday morning, Sunday night through Friday night, travel on Saturday, start somewhere else on Sunday morning and do it all again. Travel Saturday, start somewhere else Sunday morning, do it all again. And I was getting worn out, but I almost took false pride and thought, well, yeah, I'm running for God and, and, and all that. And I was in the hotel room getting ready to preach that night in Brazil. And I was asking God for strength. And for oh Lord, strengthen my body so I can preach and minister to the people and all. And I was, I was looking for a word and I was looking for strength. And I heard the Lord say to me, and this was such a, a cold, a cold glass of water in the face to my spirit, man. It, this is what the Lord said. He said, you know, you're not my only worker. That hit hard. You know, you're not my only worker. Big hit. And then he turned me over to the gospel of Mark. He said, let me show you something. And he took me to Mark chapter six, where I'll take you. Now, this is in no way any excuse for some sort of laziness. That's not what I'm teaching. But this is showing you that you can think that you're doing, but you're really doing the most. You're doing too much. And he, he rebuked me on this and I had to change it up. I had to change it up. Think about this. Do you think God wants you to run hard and strong nonstop for him productively for a good seven years and then burn out? Or do you think that he wants you to run smart and strategically and go for 60 years with stamina? Of course, it's the longer one. But if you don't take care of yourself, then you will burn out. And so the Lord dealt with me on this and he took me to Mark chapter six, verses 30 through 32. I want to read it to you. Now, Jesus had already sent his apostles out and told them what to do. Go minister, go pray, lay hands on the sick, preach the gospel, cast out devils, all those things. He sent them out. Now they're coming back to report on what they've done. Check this out. Mark six and verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Now, if you, if you study Jesus, uh, life, you'd think maybe with his urgency, he'd have been like, yeah, now get back out there and do some more because the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And we don't know when, you know, no notice they came back and reported all that he, they had done and taught. Look at verse 31. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while for many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. Get this in your spirit now. Jesus didn't even reference their work. He didn't even comment on their work. He said, all right, now that it's done, let's go rest. There's been so much coming and going, we've not even had a chance to eat. Jesus put a priority on their rest. On their rest. Do you perform better when you're worn out or do you perform better when you're rested? Obviously, when you're rested. Let me ask you, are you more prone to make a mistake when you're rested or when you're worn out? When you're worn out. 
all of the, nothing good. Just remember this, nothing good comes from being worn out. Remember that you might even want to write it in the comments. Nothing good comes from being worn out. Nothing. You make mistakes when you're tired. You get stressed out when you're tired. You start to get overwhelmed when you're tired. Nothing good. Nothing good comes from when you're tired. What a testimony, Tina. Wonderful. Jesus is enough. Powerful thought. Nothing good comes from being worn out. Nothing. So rest. Jesus had nothing against rest. There was times he'd go away by himself. He'd go away by himself. You know, if Jesus was against rest, then how come that when he was on the the ship going, going to another place, love you, Niall, why did Jesus, instead of taking that time to mentor his disciples and to impart wisdom to his disciples, he just went to the back of the ship, got a pillow, and went to sleep, just laid there and slept. Well, don't you, Jesus, that's not the best use of your time. You could be pouring into your, you're only going to be here for three and a third years. You should be pouring into your disciples. You should be mentoring them. You should be coaching them. He went to bed in the daytime. (laughs) Jesus took a nap. Jesus took a nap. That's, that's a, that's a word for somebody. Jesus took a nap. Jesus took a nap, rest. You know why? Psalm 127 and verse two, the Bible says he gives his beloved rest. That's it. That's right, Hannah. Good leaders direct their teams to be balanced. Jesus didn't ask them to be burned out. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so rest is important. What takes place when you go to bed and when you wake up? His mercies are new every morning. So when you wake up, there's new mercies available to you. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So mercies are new in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. You better believe it, you know, I'm going to pray that you'll sleep so soundly that not even an alarm clock would wake you up. Ask God to give you a supernatural rest. <laughs> That's right, Caitlin. Jesus took a nap. I want to be like Jesus. Um, His mercies are new every morning. Joy comes in the morning. What else? The Bible says Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. So God has daily bread from heaven available to you every morning. And then finally, the Bible says, though the outward man is perishing, the inner man is renewed day by day. So when you wake up, Your inner man has been renewed by God. Nothing wrong with rest. Nothing wrong with rest. Rest is not the same, by the way, as laziness. I want to say that very clearly. Because in my mind, it was. In my mind, it was. It was a misconception that God had to deal with me about. I come from a family, all of my family. My grandfather and grandmother, hard workers. All of my uncles, hard workers. My father and mother, hard workers. Productive people. And they didn't teach me that, but I had that misconception in my mind that rest is the same as laziness. It's not the same. It's not the same. God is not asking you to bang your head against a brick wall for 30 years without stopping. 
And I had a, a minister when I was younger who gave me a piece of advice. And at the time I thought, that's crazy. That's crazy. And, and I, I thought, man, I don't know why he would say that something like that to a young minister like me. And this minister who was older than me said to me that as you go so hard, because he saw me going hard back then. And he said, as you go so hard, he said, you need to be careful to take at least one time a quarter in the year where you and your wife are resting yourself. And I thought, and he gave me some suggestions and stuff. And I thought to myself, taking breaks every quarter. I said, my God, you know, like really I need to have four breaks a year. And I thought it was just so, you know, that's good. Joel, Joel Toller over in the UK said rest and revelation go hand in hand. That's such a good thought. And it's true. It's absolutely true. Absolutely true. And you know, he told me that. And I thought to myself, I can't, I mean, really four breaks a year, like what? And I, I thought it was just crazy for me to think that way after the Lord dealt with me, that came back to my remembrance again. Cause that was that he, he told me that when I was very, first starting out in the, in the traveling ministry, very, very beginning of my traveling ministry. And he said that, and I thought, good Lord, are you serious? But then the Lord dealt with me. He brought that minister's instruction back to my spirit again. And I realized he was speaking in wisdom from the Holy Ghost way back then. But I was just not in a place to receive it. And I, I repented. I actually, to be honest with you, I sent a message to that minister just so that he'd know and told him. I said, you gave me a word way back then that I needed to spend time resting myself and resting my wife and I together, resting ourselves. And I said, I didn't receive it back then. I told him, I told him, I said, you were right. And my thoughts were wrong. And I'm going to begin to employ what you told me to do way back then. It was a word from the Holy ghost. No question. He heard from the Holy ghost. No question. But see, I, I didn't receive it. And so I had to re relook at that and realize where I made the mistake. And that's where I made it. And so what did I do? I started realizing now the Lord, I'm going to show you some things the Lord talked to me about that will help you too. He said, number one, you, you heard the word he gave me. You're not my only worker. Well, that's pride. That's pride. And if we're not careful, we can get into pride by thinking that we got to do everything. We're doing the most. But the thing is that can get into pride, but we're thinking like, if I don't do this, you know, it, God's not, you're not God's only worker. He's got an army of believers across the world that are doing what he is asking them to do. And so it's okay if some of his workers are resting from time to time. It's okay. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Jerry. So it's okay. But then the Lord began to speak to me about the fact that I was in reality, if you think about it, abusing the temple of the Holy Spirit because this body is God's temple. Paul had to remind the church in Corinth, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He lives in you. He dwells in you. And so in the same way that you wouldn't want to abuse your temple with alcohol, with drugs, prescription medications, whatever else you might use to destroy it, same thing. 
you don't want to burn it out unnecessarily. You don't want to use uh, uh, wrong methods, techniques, and burn your body out just from tiredness, just from straight up exhaustion. You don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. And so I had to, I had to back, not that I'm, now watch this, not that I want to do less, but I want to do things smarter and more strategically. Ben said, it takes me three days to stop thinking about work and I have to force myself occasionally to do it or else I'll keep looking at things the same way. And you know, Ben, I'll tell you something that's interesting that, uh, that that minister said to me, because when he suggested, uh, you know, the time, and I'll tell you who else has, has said this to me as well. He, uh, 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 Dr. Rodney Howard Brown was another minister who I've heard talk about this in this way. But <laughs> one thing I heard Dr. Rodney say one time, he said, he, he said, people ask me why I take two weeks at a time when I, when I go away to rest. He said, it takes the first whole week just to get me into a place where I can start resting. <laughs> and I start, I know what he's talking about. He said, it takes me the first week to get out of that mode that I've been in for however many months and in a row, every single day, nonstop going, going, going. It takes me the whole first week just to get to the place where I can begin to rest. And then the second week is fully rested. And that's what Ben's talking about. It takes me three days to get out of that place where I'm still thinking about all that I'm doing, ministry work, all the people that I love, that I'm praying for, that I'm standing with, those that I've been dealing with their family to, uh, to see them blessed, all those things, all, the, all that's on your shoulders, it, there's, a, it's like a, there's like a transitionary period. And I heard Dr. Rodney say, he said, that's why I take two weeks. The first week I'm preparing to rest. <laughs> and it's true. But when I thought that back then in my twenties, I was like, Lord have mercy. Seriously, seriously. And I used to think to myself, like, I'll just take a day off and I'll be fine to jump right back in. And you got to rest people over They overstimulate themselves, especially in 2021. Don't even realize they're doing it. And all of a sudden they're, they're completely overwhelmed. They're completely overwhelmed. And so the rest is important. I like what I really like. What, um, what pastor Joel Toller said, um, no matter what football team he roots for, I want to say, I, I appreciate Look at that. Look at that. Brian Wright said, so glad I'm looking at the beach right now and not working. Good, good. But revelation comes from rest. I love that thought. I love that thought. Jesus would go away and come back refreshed, come back with something from the Lord. Number three is rest. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Number one, you stop, take stock. Number two, thank and praise God for who he is and what he's done in your life, his characteristics, his nature. Number three, rest yourself, rest yourself. Don't overdo it. Sometimes you need to just stop, take a rest. Number four, here's a big one. Get ready for this. Number four, what do you do when you don't know what to do? Number four, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. So why do you say pray in the Holy Ghost instead of just pray in English? The reason I say it is because of what comes along with praying in the Holy Spirit. The benefits of 
praying in the Holy Ghost. Well, what do I mean? Well, Jude verse 20, you know what the Bible says. It said, but you beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You can build your faith, stir up your faith as you pray in the Holy Ghost. You can stir up your faith as you pray in the Holy Ghost. What else? Well, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul really had a great revelation from the Holy Spirit here about praying in tongues, praying in the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 14. I don't think people pray in the Holy Spirit enough. I honestly don't. I don't think the average Christian that is filled with the Holy Spirit prays in tongues enough. You should take time. I heard Pastor Adeboye say, no minister should ever stand to preach in the pulpit without having prayed in the Holy Ghost for an hour at least. I know Dr. Cho felt that way. Prayer was a necessity before standing in the pulpit. I don't think the average Christian prays in tongues enough. I think we need to spend more time praying in the Holy Ghost. Well, we know it stirs our faith, but what else can it do? First, uh, I'll, I'll read you 1 Corinthians 14, uh, verses 2 and 4. Listen to this. Paul said, for one or a person who speaks in a tongue, this is 1 Corinthians 14, 2, a person who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak unto men, but to God, for no one understands him. <clears throat> He utters mysteries in the spirit. So you are literally communicating directly to God. Verse four, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. There you go. The one who prophesies though, builds up the church. When you pray in tongues, one translation says you edify you're, you're building yourself up. You're edifying yourself. A Christian who prays in tongues is a Christian who is building himself up, building himself up, edifying himself. Not only just, not only stirring up your faith, bringing encouragement to yourself. It's a benefit. You're not just stirring up your faith and getting it ready for action. You are encouraging yourself in the Lord. I mean, David said he did that even before people could be filled with the Holy Ghost. Encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. You can take time. You just keep doing it, Robert. You don't listen to the voice. You just keep doing it. He said, what if you feel like it's a struggle to pray in tongues or you hear a voice telling you you're making stuff up? You keep on doing it. You keep on doing it. Ignore the voice and keep on praying. Keep on praying and pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. All the great men of God that I know and have known were men who would spend time praying in the Holy Ghost. All of them. Brother Hagin, Brother Allen, Brother Shambach, my father. All of them praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. There's no substitute for praying in the Holy Spirit. You, you edify. So you're in that place. I don't know what to do. I'm anxious. I'm depressed. I'm hopeless. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Just sit there. You know, isolate yourself. Go sit in a room. 
put some worship music on and just start praying in the Holy Ghost. Just go at it. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Oh yeah, he knows. Andrew said the voice that's telling you to stop is the enemy. He knows what praying in tongues does. He knows what praying in tongues does. He hates spirit-led prayer. He hates it. He does not want the Christian praying. No, he hates spirit-led prayer. You're speaking directly to God. God understands you. Dylan said your father was singing in the Holy Ghost last night. My father's preaching this week at Peckville Assembly of God in Blakely, Pennsylvania. Dylan said dad was singing in the Holy Ghost last night. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Sing in the Holy Ghost. Well, Paul says that later here, doesn't he? Let's, let's read it. Paul says, same, same chapter. Same chapter. Let me get you the verse reference. He says here in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, for if I, am, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit and I will pray with my mind also, or in my known language. Also, I will sing praise with my spirit and I will sing with my mind also. So know that, notice this. He said, I won't just pray in, in my known language. I'll pray in the spirit. I won't just sing in my known language. I'll sing in the spirit. Paul said, those that are filled with the Holy Ghost will sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Smith Wigglesworth, our only safeguard from falling back to the natural realm when we receive nothing from God is praying in the spirit. Wonderful quote. I'll read it again. Our only safeguard from falling back into the natural realm where we receive nothing from the Spirit, is praying in the Holy Spirit. That's Smith Wigglesworth. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. It's not wrong to pray in English, obviously. We need to do both, like Paul said. You pray in your known language, you pray in the Spirit. You sing in your known language, sing in the Spirit. You see? Thank you, Janine. So, you got to catch it now. Praying in the Holy Ghost, I did a broadcast one time. I even did it, I think I put it in the magazine one time. It was uh, 10 benefits of praying in the Holy Spirit. 10 spiritual benefits of praying in the Holy Ghost. I won't cover those all today. But there's two that I just gave you. It stirs up your faith. It encourages you in the Lord. Finally, let me give you this. Actually, I'm going to give you two more because I think they're important. Uh, number one, which would be number five, uh, take every thought captive. Not every thought that comes to you is the truth. If it doesn't line up with what God's word says about you and your life and God's plan for your life, take it captive and make it obey Jesus Christ. Take every thought captive. Take every thought captive. We're not ignorant of the devil's devices. Take every thought. So I can't control what pops into my head. No, but you can control whether or not you dwell on it. You may not be able to control every thought that pops into your head, but you can control whether or not you dwell on it. 
So we take every thought captive. We take every thought captive and make it obey Jesus Christ. Make that thought obey Jesus Christ. Put it in a prison, if you will. You see what I mean by that? I, I refuse to let that thought govern my life. That thought will not govern my actions. I take it captive. So what happens? Well, I don't know what to do. And I, I feel like this is what's going to happen. I think that those are thoughts that are contradictory to the word of God. Take them captive. Well, I just feel like this is going to happen and this is going to happen. Doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter what you feel. What does the word of God say? What does the word of God say? I just feel like my kids are going to grow up to be hellions. I feel like my son's going to be an alcoholic. I've Stop talking like that. Take every thought captive. Make it obey Jesus Christ. And what does the word of God say? What does the word of God say? You see what I mean? What does the word of God say? And then let me give you number six, the final thing I'll deal with. When you don't know what to do, where to go, and the Lord wants you to do this, by the way, ask for direction and wisdom. Ask for direction and wisdom. Well, let's first deal with wisdom. The Bible actually commands us to do that. James chapter one, James chapter one, the Bible says, verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given to him. If anybody lacks wisdom. So if you find yourself in a situation where you don't have the proper wisdom to get through successfully, guess who does have the wisdom? The Lord. And you can ask him, the Bible says, for wisdom. And he will give it to you, generously give it to you. And he won't rebuke you for asking. So number one, we ask for wisdom. You know what I ask every night? I, I actually pray this. It's one of the prayer points that I have with my children, with me personally. I pray it every day and I pray it over, over my whole family. My whole family. You know what it is? I say, Lord, give us wisdom beyond our years. That's my prayer point. Lord, give us wisdom beyond our years. What do I mean by that? I don't want my children, you know, at 10 living like they're 10. I want them to enjoy their life like they're 10. I want them to have fun like they're 10, but I want them to have the wisdom of somebody that's much older than 10. And God's answering my prayers because you know what people are saying to me? Man, your kids act so mature. I've had people tell me that so many times. And your daughter does not seem like an 11 year old. Your other daughter does not seem like an eight-year-old. That's they hear. They used to hear my son talk. They used to hear my son talk. Even Tiffany, that's here, she'd be like, "Only, only your child would use that kind of vocabulary." <laughs> Do you remember the thing he said that time that Teddy said, and it was something about a tutorial? Do you remember that? You asked him how he figured that out or something. Yeah, I think it was the word tutorial. It was the word tutorial. <laughs> he was like, at, at the time, he was like four. And he was like, she was like, well, how did you know that, Ted? He was like four years old. He's like, I watched it on a YouTube tutorial. <laughs> He's like four years old. But I've had people tell me like, your kids do not seem like the age they are. I've, you know, when Tiffany's had to go on, uh, you know, jobs or vacation or, you know, home for the holidays, Maddie's come in 
and by herself. Uh, you know, Tiffany just got back and Maddie, Maddie was here running the broadcast yesterday and the day before. So Maddie was in here at 11 years old. I want you to think about this. At 11 years old, Maddie's sitting back there in the booth. She's running this whole broadcast with the graphics and the camera switching and the focusing of the cameras and setting the studio up and all that needed to be done. She's 11. What's happening? My prayers are coming to pass. Give them wisdom beyond their years. Give me wisdom beyond my years. Don't let me think like a 40 year old. Let me think like a 70 year old. You know, think someone that's lived through life and didn't have to learn. You see what I mean? Wisdom beyond their years. God gives wisdom to people that ask him for wisdom. But number two, the final thing, ask him for direction. Ask him for guidance. This is huge. This is huge. Ask him for guidance. I, I, I use this story all the time because it seems crazy. It seems crazy that David could come back from being out with his mighty men and their wives and their children have been abducted and they're all getting, you know, they're weeping till they couldn't, they had no more strength to weep, the Bible says. And then the men are getting so angry that they, that that was allowed to happen. They're talking about killing David. And with all that going on, David still says, Hey, uh, bring me the ephod because I want to inquire of the Lord about whether or not we should even pursue these men to get our families back. I mean, like, that's crazy. You wouldn't think that like with all that going on, that it's even a question. Shouldn't even be a question. Should we go pursue them, Lord? I mean, should we go get our families back? But you know what David's thought process was? If God's not going with me, I'm not going. If God's not going with me, I'm not going. Give me direction, Lord. Do you want me to go? Should I pursue? Will I recover all? And God said, yes, go pursue this band of men. You will overtake them and you will recover all. Notice, thank you, Joel. Notice that David did not care about what the natural was dictating to him and his men. It's, is the Lord going to be with us in this venture? Because I only want to do what God has called me to do. That's it. That's all I want to do. What the Lord has told me to do. That's all. That's all. And so, as a result, he got that word from the Lord, accomplished it, and succeeded. See, I don't want to do what I want to do. I want to do what the Lord tells me to do. And that's why this is such an important one. Don't just pray for wisdom. Pray for direction. Pray for divine direction. Speak to me, Lord, which is, yeah, that was, uh, that wasn't Pastor Adeboya. That was Bishop Oyedepo, uh, Nick, who said, uh, Lord, if we're not supposed to go, may we never arrive. If God can't take me there, may I never arrive. If God can't give it to me, may I never have it. And if God didn't tell me to do it, may it remain undone. That was their motto. Spirit led only. Spirit led only. So we stop. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Stop. Don't make decisions when you're in those moments of fear, depression, hopelessness. Then number two, begin to thank and praise God for who he is. Then number three, begin to rest yourself. Take time. Just rest yourself. It's all right. Number four, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray until you're stirred up in your faith, stirred up and encouraged in your spirit. 
and then ask for wisdom and ask for direction. There's people that are watching me right now that that's really, I had so many people that logged on and said, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm doing. I'm praying for you here at the end of this broadcast because I'm so tired of seeing the enemy harass God's people. We're done with it in Jesus name. We're going to finish this year strong. We're going into 2022. We are going to possess what we've never possessed in 2022. We're going, it's a year of divine possession. We're going to possess what we've never possessed in the mighty name of Jesus. We will possess what we've never possessed in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you. God's got plans to bless you. He's got plans to help you. And so let me pray for those of you that are watching. Many, many need miracles. Many believe for direction. Many believe for encouragement. Let me pray. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. I'm praying today for the victory tribe, for those that need answers. They need miracles. They need breakthrough. And so, Lord, I ask you right now for those that have been dealing with this thing that we've been talking about today that I know was led by the Holy Spirit to talk about this. Those that don't know what to do. Those that are struggling, they seem like they're treading water. They don't know what to do. I pray that from this day, first of all, I take authority over hopelessness. I take authority over depression and I take authority over fear and anxiety. And I command it to loose its grip in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and let God's people go. And I lose peace. I lose joy, faith come into your heart today from this message, from the word of God that we've preached. And now Lord, we ask you that you would give them not only wisdom, but I pray that you would open up their spirit and let them hear divine direction today. Let them be led divine direction today by the power of your spirit, divine direction. And we thank you for that. We thank you for that. We will not be those that live our lives in turmoil. We will not be those that live our lives in the midst of problem after problem, crisis after crisis. That will not be us in Jesus' name. But we will live in constant victory by the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise that we're running into a new year with divine possession. We will possess what we've never possessed. We thank you, and we give you glory in Jesus' wonderful name. And if you believe that for real, I want you to shout amen, put some hands in the comments, put some fire in the comments section, and let me know that you stand and believe this word today, that you're not going to struggle. You're not going to barely get by. You're not going to stand in hopelessness, depression, anxiety. You're victorious. You're the victory tribe. You are the victory tribe. You are victorious in Jesus wonderful and powerful name. We declare it. I feel the victory today. I feel the breakthrough. We're receiving it. Next levels. Next levels. I'm telling you, we're going higher. New levels. Get ready. I'm just telling you, get ready. It's going to blow up to whole new levels like we've never seen. Like we've never seen. You thought it was good before. Get ready for what God's about to do. You thought he's blessed your business before. Get ready. Get ready for what he's about to do. You thought he blessed your family before? Get ready for what he's about to do. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. 
You thought this was good year? Get ready for 2022, where we will possess what we've never possessed in Jesus' name. We will hold in our hands what we've never held in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing on that. Somebody needs to sow a seed in this anointing. I'm just telling you. Get your faith on it. Put a seed in the ground in the midst of this anointing. Watch what God will do. Watch what God will do. This is going to be an overflow end of a year like we've never seen. I'm so ready. I got seed in the ground. I got more to put in the ground. (laughs) Oh, yes. This is going to be the best end of a year we've ever seen in Jesus' mighty name. The devil's defeated. We're victorious because of what Jesus did. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. First Corinthians 15, 57. Your best days are ahead of you, not behind you. You say, well, you don't know my life story. You don't know how old I am. You don't know. doesn't matter. One thing I encouraged the people with uh, on Sunday morning was this. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, you can never be past your prime. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, you can never be past your prime. Your best days are ahead of you. They're not behind you. God has a plan to bless you and your family. Get that seed in the ground today. There's the information on the screen. If you'd like to sow it through the website, miracleword.com. All the other ways, PayPal, Cash App, you know the drill. It's all there on the website, but your best days are ahead of you. They're not behind you. Get ready for explosive growth. I'm just telling you this. Get ready to possess what you've never possessed in Jesus' name. Get ready to possess what you've never possessed in Jesus' name. What others said was impossible, it's coming to pass for you. What did I say yesterday? Wonders. We're believing for wonders. What is a wonder? It's something that God does that when it takes place, it literally makes people wonder. How did that happen? There is Robert. Um, He says, is there a way to bless Miracle Word kids because of the kids? When you go to the website, there's a drop down. If you go to the giving page, Robert, there's a drop down. And when you drop it down, there's one of the things that says Miracle Word Kids. And if you'd like to sow towards Miracle Word Kids, you can do that there. And thank you, Robert. What is a wonder? It's when God does something so supernatural that when people see it, they wonder, how could this happen? How could this have happened? Love you, Cody. Absolutely, Jessica. It's going to be a great week. We're starting. I'll be with my father and my mother. Fitchburg, Massachusetts, Crossroads Community Church, it starts on Sunday. It goes through Sunday. So Sunday through Sunday, it's going to be a powerful week of revival. If you can get there, get there. All the information is on the website. If you go to the schedule page, times, addresses, everything you need to know. But let me encourage you, get in the car, get on a plane, get on a bike, get on a powered scooter, a one wheel, whatever you have, and get to Crossroads. It's going to be so good, man. I feel stirred up in my spirit. I cannot wait to see what God's going to do. Last time we were there, they called us super spreaders. Went all the way to Boston, Massachusetts and the Boston Globe. Stinking Shuttlesworth family and Crossroads Community Church. 
holding revival in the midst of their super spreaders. That's what we got called. So who knows what's going to happen this time. We might even become super duper spreaders. I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be powerful. Wow. Thank you, Ava. <laughs> we are super spreaders. <laughs> oh, man. Now, listen. Today at 2 o'clock, there's a young lady that's going to be here at the studio. Her name's Carolyn Shuttlesworth. She's going to be speaking to you. It's going to be powerful. 2 p.m. Eastern time, Facebook and YouTube. And uh, don't miss it. She's back in the studio today and Friday for Friday Favorites. And um, it's going to be great. We've got all new stuff we're filming for Miracle Word Kids. And we've got some uh, new announcements coming up. Because if you're uh, already subscribed to get our magazine, we've got some drops happening in the magazine uh, that you want to see. But if you're not subscribed, you'd like to get a magazine. This is the new edition that's coming out. It'll be shipping out in just a couple of days to your houses. And if you're overseas digitally, we've got some stuff that's going to be bomb. I cannot wait for you to see uh, and have an opportunity to get. Those of you, um, new kids next week? We're getting new kids? Oh, there's a new kids video out. Not today, but next Wednesday. We've got all new kids videos coming. Um, Also... Those of you that are not yet connected to the text family, this is the perfect time to get connected to the text family. Why? I'm about to text some very important stuff to you. We're getting ready to drop some things that you're going to have an opportunity to get first. This is the first in line. If you'd like to be first in line, because they will go quick and they will go out the door. If you'd like Herb to sign up for the magazine, just go to miracleword.com. Miracleword.com, you can click on the magazine you see first and it'll take you to a form to fill out. We'll get you on the list. First in line. We got some stuff we're about to drop. Oh, you're gonna want it. That's all I'm gonna say. You're gonna want it. So if you wanna be first in line, this is where you're gonna get the link. This is where you're gonna get the picture. It's coming soon to you, Tiffany. It's coming soon, Tiffany. It's coming soon. No, it's not me, Dylan. It's my daughter, Brooklyn, kissing me. How do we get that again? The way that you can get it, Mary, if you'd like to be a part of the text family, is go to miracleword.com forward slash, look how I did that with my hands, forward slash, text. There it is on the screen. If you want to sign up to be a part of the text family, that's how you do it. Because this is going to be the week that we're going to be sending something else. This week. (laughs) So jump on with us. It's going to be great. I love you guys so much. Thank you for hanging with me today. Carolyn's at 2. I'll see you in the morning, 10.30 a.m. Have a powerful Wednesday. Talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.